Welcome to episode 664 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 664 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm good, my twinning partner. We're twinning today because you've got the black pants and the grey tops. Black shoes. And black shoes. I've got black socks. I've got, even got black socks. Black socks, mate. What's, what undies? I have got blue and white check. Blue and white check. I've got oh, more black. Okay. More black, more black. John, what's your tip of the week? Tip of the week is skiing season is about to start. Don't go skiing if you want to get injured. Looking out Blint Bevan's window, there's bloody snow all over our mountains. It's beautiful. I've got a quick tip of the week as well. If you're okay. building a house and you're a builder, <laughs> secure your frames. We had a pretty windy day yesterday and we're getting this house built across the road from us and a few of the frames blew over, John. Mm. Those builders are doing double work today. And final tip of the week. Oh, we've got three tips. When in the weather's shit, you still go training. People's who did not attend training session last oh, night in Christchurch. Name and shame, James. You've been John? noted. Well, some of them may have had a good reason to not be there, but what weakness? Yes, uh, but it has been duly noted who did not attend. Could have been good running that one. It was great. Did a few hill reps up and down. Straight, you know, good good head tail in practice. Oh, good stuff. Okay, I'm talking is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance. It's your lactic buffer and our patrons. And it's name of you, Jumbo. Mark the missile Scudamore. We've got Mr. Money George Banks and Keith the Ice Lord Manning. Okay, in this week's show we've got some news. We've got hot topic of the week. We've got an interview, John. We've got Hunter Allen. He's got the third edition of Training and Racing with a Power Meter out. We've got a website of the week. Uh, Tim Hemming sent through a great website. And then we've got, which I'm sure John was happy to get. I was. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, Winger of the week, questions and answers at the end. So, John, we had a big race happen over the weekend and there's some really interesting racing. I'm in Texas. Now, was it a championship race? It was. <laughs> I don't know why we couldn't figure that out last yeah. time. We were, we, were, we were doing two shows back to back and we were in a bit of a rush. Uh, the Memorial Herman Ironman Texas. Now, Bevan, I'm not sure if I set a new indoor trainer record at the weekend. Did you watch the whole race? I didn't watch the whole race, but I did about a three hour 45 indoor training session on Sunday morning, which, I'm, yeah, I don't know if I've done longer, but it's getting up there for me, getting right and up there. And it was there. doable? Yes, because I had three screens in front of me. Oh, look at you go. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, Ironman Texas uh, one screen, I had ITU on the other screen, and I had my phone, I was, I was riding on Zwift on that occasion. I don't really watch that screen, but yeah, I had three screens going at once, and the Ironman Texas uh, was good. And some pretty solid results and some... Let's talk, about the, let's talk about the girls first because, oh my God, how about that race? It was great. So in the end, Daniela Reef took the race out. 54 minutes swim, 440 on the bike. Took the run for about 4K to go, did she? Uh, it was more than that. I, th- I thought it was about the 30K mark. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. just in something I read, they said about 4K to go. Yeah. Um, and then she ran a 2.57 to win an 8.37.48. Uh, and she did win by only two minutes over Jocelyn McCauley, who... who smashed Ironman New Zealand eight s- weeks ago. Smashed it and really stepped up her game here to, to another level. Um, and but interestingly, Daniela Reef was third onto the run because Kimberly Morrison had a fantastic bike ride and she managed to just 
just uh, pipped the other two off the bike. Oh, you too. Riding along on the bike, um, it was pretty much a reef on the, all the time I was watching. It was reef on the front and Jocelyn McCauley sitting legal distance behind her, mm. uh, but they must have just passed her at the end and Kimberly Morrison did bridge I think, up. I think um, McCauley took the lead about 10k to go on the bike, didn't she? This is... Uh, this is only a partial criticism because I do like the live coverage, but whenever I was watching, it was just purely on the leader, and you couldn't. I was like, uh, just okay. turn that bloody camera just a little bit, yeah, so, so we can see, see who's behind her. Yeah. Um, so that was again. I don't want to criticise it because it is great that we've got live coverage that we didn't used to have, but it was getting a bit frustrating. Whereas in South Africa, coverage was really good. They were often scanning back, and so yeah. It's a question, John. You, you kind of kept your eye on the race. Um, was it Daniela just did enough to to win the race? No, not at. At all I thought Jocelyn McCauley oh, had really? it, and, really? and 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 what was surprising, and again, this is not a criticism. The commentary team they had Dee Dee Griesbauer and Chris Leado, Chris Leado, no, Matt, Matt Leado. Um, well, yeah, Matt Leado was yeah. on there. Yeah. God knows how they can talk for nine hours. They, they do it, which is just a huge accomplishment because there's not that much going on. But they didn't seem to be talking up Jocelyn McCauley. Now I had it on mute quite a lot. Yeah. But she was sitting behind her on the bike, and I was saying, if she can get off the bike with Daniela Reef, there's a chance. She's got a chance. Uh, so what's her history? Tell us a bit about her. Just Jocelyn McCauley. Yeah. Oh, she's 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 what she runs. She runs. I'm sure she ran sub three in, in New Zealand. But she's had a, a, she's been a few yoga performances. But she's a, she's a good runner, and that's what I was saying. If Daniela Reef is not on her A game, even if she is on her A game, Jocelyn McCauley could up. almost match her. But um, I'd still put my money on Daniela Reef. But I was thinking, Reef's not on her A game. Jocelyn McCauley could have this. And she did. For She pushed out to a two-minute lead for the first 30-odd K of the race and then sort of started coming down and, and Reef got her in the end. But it was pretty bloody close. And Jocelyn McCauley still ran a 2.59. And from what I could see, I've only looked at one file. The bike course was accurate. And the run was, the one file that I saw was, it was, mid to high 41 kilometres so it's it's not miles off maybe a couple of minutes but it's uh, a massive transition so I thought Jocelyn McCauley may well have it but Daniela Reef, to her credit and to her coach's credit as well because she said post race uh, she was at a certain point on the race and her she's got this companion a lady who's I don't know if it's her manager or friend or whatever she's always at races with seats yeah we've seen her at Rote as well and 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 she got to one point in the race and there was a message from Brett Sutton uh right it's time to attack and she's like I'm completely cooked uh and it's time to attack and she just attacked and that's how she managed to bridge up and and win the race so irrespective of this result I think it's Bad news for everybody else when Daniela Reef can still win against Jocelyn McCauley, who's one of the form athletes in the world at the moment. She can still win when she's having a bit of an off day. Well, interestingly, I went to Jocelyn McCauley's website right now. She's got her goals for 2019 on her website, John. Her mm-hmm. goals include qualifying for the World Championship and placing in the top five, win an Ironman, podium at every race, and to go under nine hours in a full Ironman. So she's doing that all right, isn't she? Well, and the, the thing I like about Jocelyn Corley is she talks like a winner in terms of... Oh, really? Big herself? Yeah, but we, we, we often have those But Lucy Charles is like that as well, Exactly. She? She's yeah. exactly like that. I'm here to win, mate. Yeah. yeah. She said she had a poster of um, of Daniela Reef up in her room because that's her target and that's who she wants to go oh, and Oh, really? And so <laughs> wow. she, whether she can or not, but she's talking like... I'm going out there, you're the standard, I want to beat you. Whereas a lot of the other um, athletes, male and female, often the comments are, yeah, I'm out there to do the best I can and I'm really happy with that performance. And that's great, 
but they're not going to be winning. Well, it keeps the sport interesting, doesn't it? Like if we look at the boys' side of the race, we had something happen in the swim. Did you read about I, that? Hold on, I'm just, I just, I didn't, but I'll just finish off on the females. Feel a bit bad for Kimberly Morrison. She had a fantastic race. We've had her on the show once before. She just missed out on getting fourth spot by 30 seconds after riding a 4:36. Uh, and, and, and she didn't blow up on the run. She ran a, a 3:23, which isn't great, but I think for her, I think that's, that's right. okay. Yep. Uh, it's actually on Torsten's rating, it's quicker than predicted. But yeah, missed out by um, two athletes, Jenny Seymour and Leslie Smith, both ran three hour flat marathons uh, to overhaul her on the run. So she just misses out by one slot on getting getting Kona. Position oh, of course. Because there was two female slots, there was two male slots, and then there was two floating. And both of those two floating went to the males. And both Reef and McCauley already had a slot. So it rolled down to third and fourth place. So all in all, Good racing on the female side. So if we look at the boys' side of the race, uh, Starkowitz apparently told everyone, everyone off in the swim before the start. Did he? <laughs> yeah, apparently he had a bit of a go at everyone. Oh. Uh, so basically I was reading somewhere and they're saying that um, basically Will Clark said uh, he had some very strong words at the start line. <laughs> <laughs> Something around the drafting, you know, the drafting gaps and stuff like that. And he just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah, because he's known to say what he thinks. Exactly. And uh, so to kind of letting people know, you know. Which I, I kind of get, it's his advantage. Um, and he had a good race, uh, and I saw a picture of him vomiting as he crossed the finish line. It wasn't as good as runners in New Zealand, but was it? It wasn't quite as good, but still quicker than predicted. Yep. Uh, he was, realistically, he was probably never going to win the race, uh, not never, it, it was unlikely he was going to win the race coming off the bike. He didn't have a big enough lead over Patrick Nelson, who well, had a fantastic Patrick Nelson stayed with him to like halfway. On the bike, yeah. Um, again, it was really hard to tell. I didn't watch too much of the men's bike ride. Uh, he was certainly with him um, for sections, and the gap never, never went nuts. Uh, off the bike, it must have been. Oh, it was less than ten minutes anyway, and you're going. Yeah. Even if Patrick Nielsen has an okay run, he's got this. Even if he has an average run, he's probably still got this, unless Starkey pulls out a big one. And Starkey would have had to run. You know, uh, 250 to essentially probably win or a low 250. So in yeah. the end, Patrick Nielsen won it comfortably by uh, over 10 minutes. He swam 49, rode solo pretty much the whole way with a 413, and then 242. He did not look like he was running fast. He's, really? a, he's a tall guy and he didn't look that fast. What, like slow cadence? Yeah, yeah, but 242 is not mucking around. And it was. Everyone look, was looking really cooked at the finish, so the temperature was getting up there. So 7.50, 11-minute victory, really good race by David Pleche. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it, from Slovakia. Well, I read somewhere it's like saying Kesha, Pleche. Yeah. Pleche, yeah. like Kesha the singer. Yeah. Now, again, I don't know if that's true, but that's what someone said. So he had a really good race. Uh, Andrew Starkowitz uh, held on well to, to run third. He ran a 3.04, which is, which is good. And Joe Skipper, I uh, saw his comments. He struggled a bit on the bike with um, some twinges here and there, but he came through to um, run. lock and load a Kona slot with a 2.44 marathon to finish in fourth place. Matt Hansen was running the fastest out of everybody early in the run, but had a bit of a fade down to fifth. And Kyle Buckingham was in sixth. Michael Weiss who was right up there in Kona last year, had a pretty poor performance by his standards and finished in 7th in 8.13. So the slots went 4 to the males, 2 to the females. Yes, and I I wonder how far it rolled on the male side because I know Starkowitz uh, would have had a slot and I'm not sure about the others, so it would have rolled a little bit. Okay, Okay. and the girls, uh, Daniela would have had one, so Jocelyn... 
Uh, Josh had one from New yep. Zealand. So, so went to third and fourth. Okay, there you go. Um, pretty cool racing, Matt. It was. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was uh, good to see. I will say a few comments that I had. Uh, the swim looked really cool. You know, you kind of went out and came up this river. Whether it, I think for big groups it wouldn't have been that cool, but just in terms of a, a spectacle, it looked really good. The bike, you know, they've had massive drafting problems there before, and uh, I would say I wouldn't be surprised if we hear the same again. Not from the pro side, but, geez, it was pretty narrow there in parts, uh, and so I'd imagine it would have been pretty hard not to draft when it's a fairly tight single lane section on the highways. Um, and the run looked really like a cool cool run as well. You know, you're running on, on paths a lot, three laps, uh, looked like plenty of crowd support. So it was good to see Texas, from what I could see, having a really, really good day after having a few calamities in, uh, in previous years. I did note the first age group only went 8.57. And to put that into perspective, you know, with the female side of things, you know, that's yeah. often the, the gauge I use. Reef went 8.37 and, and Jocelyn McCauley went 8.39. So I think that speaks volumes to, to how well Jocelyn McCauley raced as well. But I would have expected more males to go sub nine. Um, here's, a little, here's a little fun project for the geeks out there. Tracking top age group men align with the speed of the top pro females over time. Because mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying there. You, you expect most races, the top age group men will kind of sit aligned with the top female pro. Yeah, you can't. I normally take Reef and Chrissy Wellington out of that equation because they so blow it out of the water. Yep. But yeah, you normally expect top male to be pretty close to the top female and and when we look at this race they're, pre- they're pretty much going this very similar speeds to third fourth and fifth and and normally you know i would have expected them to go a bit quicker it was a non-wetsuit swim but it was non-wetsuit for the pros and for the age groupers so that shouldn't make too much of a difference so age group men pick up your game okay so we also had challenge taiwan happen pretty big field there overall like a good day 504 1100 and a half uh interesting old names kind of race isn't it it the is men's. It's uh, yeah, look, I, I like those numbers in a race. You know, five hundred to a thousand people in a in a full, and then you know another thousand or so and a half. You know, there's two thousand four hundred on the course in Texas, and I always, I'm just saying this more and more to athletes. If you want to go to a, an Ironman race, it's going to be crowded. There's going to be issues. If you want to go to a race where you have a slightly fairer event, then um, look elsewhere. Taiwan looked like they did a great job. I think the the highlight of this race for me is it the heat. Is it hot? Uh, it's not times. crazy hot. Um, is it, is well, it, no, it, it's not always crazy hot. I don't know about this year. But is it is it rolling? Because look at those run times. Well, take a look at the f- the, the fastest run time overall. Pretty oh, sure. Wow, look at Lisa, Lisa Roberts. Roberts dominates the dojo. So from and what he beats I, the boys. Yeah, beat all the boys convincingly. She it. ran a three o two, and she needed to run a three o two to win the race. She went nine ten, uh, and Caroline. Alaya Harida from Germany was in second in 9.13, so she had to run her down from quite some margin back. She swam a 108, so when you swim a 108, you do need to run a 302 <laughs> to get up there, not being nasty. Julia Grant from New Zealand was third in 9.55, so a big gap back to third. But she outran, as you said, all the boys. Roman Gilan only ran a 3.13. I wonder why. Because um, even like Cam Brown only pulled off a 3.15. Yeah, Cam Brown had a pretty rough day. Um so that's incredibly impressive. It must, when the boys, what was the last time that's happened? Well, I don't know if it ever has happened. No, ba- Baker did one time. Did she? I remember when I was younger. She, I, when I did my study, there was a. There, this is what I knew nothing about Iron Man, but we had this guy whose brother. Here we go. His brother was the lead singer of the band Men at Work. 
you know, right. you know yeah. that band? Yeah. I come from London and uh, yeah. his brother, and he loved Iron Man. So he'd tell us all these Iron Man stories, and I knew nothing about it. I remember he talked, told us about how Mark Allen did an Iron Man in the lab, yeah. you know, and he was running to Iron Man, but he, he, was, he told us how Aaron once was the fastest runner mm-hmm. in an Iron Man beating all the men. Right. Now, I could be wrong. No, I th- Scott, let me know. Yeah. But anyway... I don't recall ever seeing it before having a female running the fastest bike split. So good Runs, on her. She ran the fastest bike split. Ran the that's, fastest that's run. That's really split. impressive. So on the boys' side, we had Roman Gilam in first in 8.30, um, Alonso McKerner in second in with 8.37, and Pierre Van Vlerken third in 8.41. Uh, Cam Brown was down in fifth. Michael Raylert was there racing, uh, and he was uh, in fourth. Cam Brown fifth. Pete Verbrusik in sixth with a 9.50. That's what I mean. It's a names, a names one, of the past. A one-hour gap between fifth and sixth place. Jeepers, creepers. We had some interesting results in some 70.3. So we had Marbella happening and Alistair Brown and Eddie Porter for second place. But look at the run. Yeah, he, he had some bike mechanicals. Is on, that what the problem was? He, it? he was leading after the swim and he was leading early on the bike. And I couldn't establish what his bike issues were. But uh, yeah, he, he came back with a one one eleven. I think the reason... You know, he would carry on as as now he's got his Kona slot locked and loaded, um, and not his Kona slot, his seventy point three worlds, and that seems to be his big target for the world for the year. Uh, Andreas uh, Dreitz took that out, and Laura Phillips took out the females race, and, and then we had Grand Canarian. Yep, Peter Hemrick took that out with Emma Palant on the female side. We've done Challenge Taiwan. We had uh, the Bermuda. I'll talk about this shortly. This is ITU. where's the one Andy Potts won. Uh, didn't Andy Potts win? He race? did. He, he did. did. He won Cancun. Can- Cancun. Cancun. He won Challenge Cancun. Nice well, work, Andy. Yeah, with a fantastic. Took out Ben spot. Hoffman. Sorry. He took out Ben Hoffman and Cody Beals. Nice yeah. work, Cody Beals. Ali Salthouse beat out Marinda Carfrey by nine minutes. And look at Marinda's run. Yeah, so she might have just been racing for second when you know you're that far back and you're not going to be winning. She might have just ended up racing for second. So, and then the other race, uh, 70.3 Florianopolis in Brazil. Uh, Igor Amarily took that out and Pamela Oliveira. Okay, so next up we have John's ITU update, and we oh, had, get the phone out, shall we? I'm uh, going uh, to do a five-minute okay, time here. Okay, five-minute. Um, battery's dead. Okay, I'll do it, John. Yeah, I'll, you, I'll, you, I'll, you, you give me give me a minute when we're we're getting close okay, to a minute. minute. The reason I want to do this is I would encourage you to go and watch this if you've got triathlon live, and if you don't know the result, um, more so of the males race. Okay, wait a second. Uh, Starting in three, two, one. Okay, so it was some good racing in Bermuda. The females race, I'm going to spend about five seconds doing. But the highlights for me, there was some serious rain in the swim. Like it was thunder and lightning oh, really? and holy smokes. I don't know if I've seen rain like that before. Um, but then it became pretty boring to watch after that. There was a four four female breakaway. Pretty strong wins. She won by nearly minute 40. Oh, it was a dojo not domination by Katie Zaveris. Uh, she, she dropped... Vicky Holland early on the bike ride. She had two two partners in crime with her on the bike, and then it was just they just crushed it, and they got like a two minute lead, and she was never going to lose from there. So that was Zaveris is just crushing it. Two wins from two races, which is uh, bloody impressive. Was she strong last year? She was. She finished second overall last year, um, but she's gone to another level this year, and nobody can touch her. She's just absolutely killing it. Super League ITU. She's just dominating the men's race so that was uh that was pretty awesome i i don't want to be nasty but it is nice when you see swimmers get um you know the, the swim runners they get 
dominated oh, and they, okay. they, 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 it's, it's somebody because else's Because they're kind team. of, uh, okay, yeah. So Mario Mola is, you know, leading the, won the first race and he won the series last year. Uh, a little bit weaker in the swim. And How come he hasn't picked up his bike then? Well, he's not a bad, he's not, a, I don't think he's a bad biker. And, and for people that... Because we often say that the easiest thing to do is improve your biking. Yeah, but he's a tiny guy. He probably weighs about 50 kilograms. Oh, okay. So anyway, um, there was some splits in the swim and there was a lead group of about 15 that got away and that had your, your regulars, you know, Vincent Louis, Brownlee, guys like that, um, Schumann in there. Then there was two separate groups that came out later on and Mola and Bert Whistle were actually with some guys that actually ended up riding to the very front. Whether they mucked up transition or they mucked up somewhere in the race, but they missed that and that was race over. They were ended up several minutes behind at the end so then coming off the bike uh, it was a big a big pack less Mola and Burt Whistle which are two of the fastest runners so now you're going this is interesting this is interesting And but the interesting thing for us was it was a return of Gomez to um, the so top level picking, racing who are you picking at this moment I'm picking Vincent Louis, who has been super league killing super it super league killing it and won the grand final last year uh, and there were a few other contenders but I thought him I was really interested to see how Brownlee went uh, and then I was really interested to see Gomez, how Gomez would go but I didn't think he'd go very well as it turned out it turned up to be a, a four, four man uh, you know just duel in the final kilometres and Mol, uh, Gomez was laying it down really it was awesome he just went to the front a few times and just laid it down dropped, and did it break people up dra- dropped Vincent Louis wow. and so then it came down to a three way wasn't a sprint finish but three way in the last three or four hundred metres and they had a little uphill and this Connix who has not won a I, never, I don't think he's ever even been on the podium before at a WTS race dropped the hammer and he and he won and it was impressive and Gomez got he got dropped down to third but he put in a sprint finish and managed to get in second place ahead of Gustav Eden and it was brilliant brilliant racing real good warfare on the run so thoroughly enjoyable so so okay so so Gomez is back yeah. now what I would preface this with it's interesting you look at the ages so it goes um number one 94 number three 96 Vincent Louis getting old he's 89 we've got 94 90 Gomez 83. <laughs> <laughs> it was impressive. Now, as excited as I am to see Gomez back, and I know I'd love him to win the Olympics. Is it a bit of a once um, I don't think it was a once It was a very, very hard bike course. It was a 10-lap bike course with a hill every time. Wait a second. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so it was, they were running seriously fatigued, and so I think that would have really, really helped him. And a flat-out 10K uh, head-to-head without that, it would probably be a slightly different story. Yeah. So... Um, I'm excited about it because he is back and he's running well. Whether or not he can run that well in a, just a flat race, which Tokyo is going to be, don't know, but but good to see him back. Is, is he going to do 70.3s this year? Do we know? Well, he's going to be racing this weekend in the ITU Lord Long Distance Champs. I don't know if he'll do 70.3 Worlds, but... Because uh, who are you picking an early pick for 70.3? Well, it's either Fredino, Gomez or Brownlee, depending on who races. Hopefully we get three again this year. It would be great. So no, that was wicked racing. Vincent Louis was fourth. Christian Blumenfeld fifth. How much? You got got 28 seconds. 28 seconds. Uh, This doesn't matter if this runs over, but I loved the post-race interviews. The winner... And if I'm over time now and you're, yep. you've come back, Welcome he back. dropped. I'm sure. I'm sure he dropped an f bomb in there. Oh, really? <laughs> it was brilliant. And he, I'm sure this is what he said. He said, "Oh, and I just saw them up there. I thought, fuck, I'm just going to go and get them." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, wow! Did he actually say that?" Uh, so How cool is that for you know? Because like a guy like that, 
maybe it is once we're in your career, you know, but you, oh, there you go, there you go, stop. Um, just have that moment where you get your win. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of guys who have, a, you know, these are good athletes. To be on the ITU World Circuit, you're a bloody good athlete, you know. And everybody was there, pretty much. And everyone's there. And, you know, and who knows, you know, if this opens up a future where he's a better athlete. But just have that one moment in your career we we you know you just go to that next level and you beat you get to the finish line and you've you done beat, it. you beat somebody we're not we're not, not talking who because we're back in for oh, five that's minutes right, now. that's right yeah of course so that was gold and I also loved uh, one of your Brit- again I won't just steal this well no it's pretty obvious if you start watching it Jess Lemoth is my favourite interview she is just so animated and just starts ranting on about this uh, just saying how much of a machine other athletes are oh, and really? the conditions she, it was just great to have a, a few interviews you want, you want personality don't you <laughs> I just, I just oh jeez I don't know what's going to come out next the third place one she said oh yeah man it was dope Oh my God, I don't even know <laughs> you what you're talking that. about. And she said, I was running along and I just I'm an animal, I'm going after this. So there was really good post-race interviews. Uh, we've got the World Duathlon Tramps kicking off uh, this weekend? No, they were they were last weekend. Oh. So this is the start. I tried to go on YouTube to see them, but they don't, show, they, they don't do the little clips anymore. They're very late with them. Uh, I, I saw a little They're under 23s. There. No, I saw, I saw I saw the main race. You can't have been looking in the right place. What well, we went to ITU will the the homepage. Okay, well, the YouTube channel. Wherever I saw it, I I I, mm, I got it. Up. Okay, so what happened? Anyhow, um, so yeah, this is this is kicking off the ITU sort of festival week with the World Duathlon Champs. It's right on that first page. You go to the article that I've linked in. No, there. but that's it's under twenty threes. Uh, see, I did do my homework. See. I just think that's in the title. I think that title's wrong. Oh. Uh, anyhow, uh, so this is the start of the festival-long week of racing, and we had the duathlon, which is 10K, 40K, 5K. Benjamin Coquart from France took it out in 145, and Sandra Levinens from France took it out. So two French winners. Mm. <laughs> you thought it was a bit of a yawn, that's did you? You're not, you're not too impressed with the old duathlon. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've talked about this in the past Duathlon should be a bigger sport You know like It really should be Bike run Yep Swimming's the biggest problem for triathlon mm. it's, it's, it's not really understandable is it Like you think You think of on a At the strip on a Friday night mm-hmm. You put on a bike run race mm-hmm. A few laps around Everyone's on the piss You know like How cool would that be Yeah You yeah. get lots of people And it'd be really You know It's, it's much easier to put on a race mm-hmm. The skill of swimming Most people don't have Mm. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's, you should be a race director, Bevan. Well, I've just, I just I just find it interesting. It's never really taken off. We're still on the ITU update here. Um, one thing that I did note, and I was just doing a bit of research yesterday, and this wasn't exhaustive research, but reading through legal documents is <laughs> not my forte. No. I was trying to figure out. Uh, so the next round of the ITU is the Yokohama race, which is on the 18th and 19th of May. And this is a, one of the key selection races for the Great Britain team. Okay. So if you finish on the podium at this race and you finish in the podium in the Tokyo Tokyo um, test event, then you book yourself a slot for uh, Kona. Uh, not for okay. Kona, for, for the Olympic Games. Wow, However, this is an important it's, race. it's a bloody hard task to do. You'll be on the podium at two events. If you're a returning Olympic athlete like the Brownleys, uh, or Olympic medalist, and who got third in the females? I think it was Vicky Holland, I think, got third in Rio. 
if you're an Olympic medalist, you've only got to do do that once. And so Brownlee has that's why Alistair Brownlee has one chance next year to, to qualify for the Olympics if he gets on the podium. But one of the things I was wondering, and, and please, if anybody knows the correct answer to this, uh, from what I can read um, from the the British selection criteria only those athletes who are selected for the individual olympic races are eligible for nomination in the mixed relay team Ah. and i was also trying to look at the new zealand policy and it looked like the same to me that you need to be if you're in the to be in the relay team so you gotta do both yeah you need to be in so so they're not going to pick specific teams well then then it might be that you pick specialists for the relay that still do the olympic distance race but they're not going to necessarily medal the, the so like New Zealand, we've got better chance of getting a medal in team relay. Yes. Okay. So so we probably will pick people who we might go like like Andrea, or she no, she, she's she's not racing now. But yeah. Oh, okay. But let's say she was, mm. and she's probably not fast enough for a short now. Arguably, yeah, compared yeah, to the yeah, others, yeah, she would be, but yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go along with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you wouldn't pick her because actually you want a better team. Well, that's, this is a tricky thing. You get, if you're picking domestiques, you're gonna, you know, so you, the, the top countries they they're, they're in a luxury position because they, they three get players, three yeah. player, three people on each team. So then they might pick one or two for the Olympic for the for the for the for the, for the individual one race and for one short. for the specialist, and then it's a playoff with the other ones. But I think it's ca- interesting now. You know, one thing we've talked about recently is that. This division in the sport in the shorter game hasn't really happened yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, the guys, who, you know, look at what's happening in Super League. It is kind of the guys who are the best at the ITU who are taking it out. But as we see a bit more of a division happen, will we see more specialists who are just short course guys and, you know, short, short course who can just absolutely smash it out? Mm-hmm. You know, younger, just super fast. With New Zealand's example, we've got somebody like a Hayden Wild. You yeah. put him up against a Ryan Sissons um, when he's in, on form would normally do better at a individual race, but Hayden Wilde would do better in a short TT mixed relay format. So who do you pick? So for this Olympics, I don't think it necessarily matters, but I think as we look four years ahead, or maybe, you know, next two or three Olympics, will we see that these countries will divide up their their selection policies? Mm. And and also, how much does the government fund athletes like to to take to the Olympics? Yeah, I know, it's... Interesting times ahead. Mm, John made a great discussion of the week last week. The discussion was, uh, what concerns you most on a personal level, like safety on a bike, about being a triathlete? And we've got lots and lots of answers. So, John, you can start. Arnold Sulikoff, uh, I've never seen this happen, but obviously it does. The permanent increase of twats on e-bikes inserting themselves into group rides, bringing along their lack of skill in shit bikes. That's actually an interesting point, though. <laughs> I would get pretty fired up if somebody was I on I told you I did long bays, didn't I? No, I did, I did, I short bays. I did short bays a couple of weeks ago, um, just because I had a day and I thought I'd do it. And um, I'm riding up there, and I'm catching this guy, and he was on an e-bike, and so and he sat on my to- tail the whole time, yeah. and it just annoyed me. Yeah. <laughs> it just frustrated the heck out of me because I was I was killing myself to get up the hill pretty quick, and he wasn't going. You know, it was only because I passed him. And you know what? If he's not an e-bike, fair enough. To sit on my wheel, challenge me a little bit. Mm. You're on an e-bike, mate. If an e-bike was in a Bunch, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably lose my rag. I think <laughs> that would be around. <laughs> you can't do that shit. Well, it's going to happen. Yeah, not on my bunch, right? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Dallymore's got uh, matching the colours of the outfit uh, and a non-crossing brand. Doug Reynolds, family slash spousal impact. My wife is wonderful and always says she supports me and the time I take away, but I still worry about it. Very good point, Doug. Yep, uh, good old Sarah Wynne-Jones has got riding on the roads, being hit and run, being injured. 
There's a big lots of people. Said lots that, of people said uh, drove Ben Boyd. No faith in today's drivers and their attitude towards cyclists. So I moved to 100% indoor training on the kicker with Zwift. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to find one that's not being hit on. Like that is overriding. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Curvin's uh, got it's definitely road safety. So many motorists seem to have a dislike for cyclists and don't care how close they drive to us. Seems to have no regard for, uh, to what happens to someone on a bike when they hit 100k's from behind. Smart trainers do reduce the amount of sessions that must be done on the road. Richard Palmer, living in Australia, it would be anything starting with S. Skin cancer. That's actually a really good point. Sharks, snakes, spiders, stupid drivers. That's one that hasn't come up a lot, but time in the sun. Yeah. Uh, John John Flood said skin damage as well. Yeah. Um, Nick Hutton said hemorrhoids. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Once, but let's not go there. Um, okay, no, good, another good one here. Dave Doughty, um, what is the long-term damage I'm doing to my body? There seems to be a correlation with various heart rhythm issues. Um, running is hard on the knees, hips, etc. I want to last for the long term. Good old Jared Hubbard's got. That's actually a good one, isn't it? Uh, training solo out there in remote areas. No phone, no tr- no one tracking. Just hope I finish my session and get home safely. <laughs> and Magnus Bernstein, 90% of triathletes, complete lack of style. That is true. Because I actually, I, I was one of those. Because I'm, I'm like you, John. I think price first. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and although you do always, you, you, I don't know who designs the outfits for all the things you do, but you always have cool gear. Yeah. You, I, I give you credit on that. But um, I look back on some of my choices. <laughs> flash. And I never had a cool helmet. Yeah, I just had a helmet I bought at the start of my job. I've got a bitchy new helmet I got at the weekend, a new Uvex helmet. And I struggle with helmets that fit. Man, this thing fits like a glove. So I've had several Uvex helmets over the years. Every time I get one, they just fit awesomely. Like Love a glove. It. They do. Does it look like a rooster? I've got a massive big <laughs> noggin. Imagine if you people saw you riding in the street and it's a big club. Yeah. No, <laughs> love my UVX helmets. Uh, good old Michael Taylor's got heart issues, particularly from training or racing with a virus, e.g. Greg Welch, uh, Emma Carney, Bruce Thomas, Norman Sadler, etc. So look, I, I want to touch on a few of those issues that people have brought up. For me... Um, we're in a different environment here in terms of safety. I know a couple of people comment, Christchurch people commented about safety, but that does not cross my mind when I go out riding, no, really. Neither, really. Uh, Unless you're uh, very randomly, you get some dickhead. Yeah, if I have to ride through town, different story, but out riding. Even riding through town in Christchurch isn't yeah, bad. No. So that, we're, we're in a very fortunate position. Lots of people still do lots of training sessions here, but for me, that doesn't consider, doesn't worry me whatsoever. Another one there in terms of the, the damage we're doing to our body, and like, if I was just running, I'd be I'd be a little bit concerned. But the the balance training we do, I think, is I'm, I'm but not. Okay, but that, that's concerned. joints and you know what about heart? No, that doesn't. Again, the, the, if you're racing really, really regularly and you're going to that extra level the whole time, that if I'd had a really long pro career and not that I mean my pro career was like fifth tier pro, it wasn't anything. Yeah. It wasn't really a pro. But if you're like good. doing ITU. But if I was in ITU, like you, just, you see them racing week after week after week, going to the limit, I'd be a bit concerned. Um, but for us, when we go to the limit, maybe five times a year, that doesn't concern me at all. But how often do you go to the limit in, in training? Um, oh, you go really hard, but, but compared that to racing, death. that's yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um, so those are, those things aren't consuming. I think probably the one that I think I would agree with whoever it was that was saying about the, the spousal impact, that's probably my biggest concern, is just the impact on the family when, uh, when you're going out well, training. You? I, I manage it well, but it's still a load on the family when you go out for a ride. I mean, I, I go out early training and stuff, but... Yeah, that's probably the my biggest concern about you know, training. I'll take that to another level because for me, 
when I was an Ironman, it definitely wasn't healthy for my relationships. Um, but I also had a partner, like Annalise, she was also kind of an athlete herself, so we mm. kind of disconnected just because we were so kind of selfish. Uh, it's probably loneliness, mm. you know, for a lot of people out there because we do a sport that's so time-consuming and, you know, like a lot of people create a quite a lonely life and that's actually something you need to be really careful of because, you know, there is a history of this sport being bad for relationships mm. and if you aren't really conscious of looking after your relationship and... and putting the time in and also not just putting the time in like I was talking to a guy yesterday and he was saying how as a parent he he realised recently he hadn't been very present mm-hmm. and he was saying how he'd get home from work and he, he, he was to himself he think I'm giving time to the kids but he wasn't really he was just mm-hmm. there but not there mm-hmm. and in the last period of time he's just really focused on okay when I get home the next two hours I'm just kids of mine and, mm-hmm. and you know and they get my attention and he, he said it's been really fascinating because the behavior of the kids is just shifted massively, mm. you know, and it's this kind of, when we do the sport, the thing about the sport is we're kind of tired all the time. Mm-hmm. And so you might necessarily say, oh, I'm going to spend some time with my partner or my kids and something, but you're not really there, mm. you know? And so it's kind of, it's that commitment to having a presence and, and real human connection in that place. Cause it is a problem for our sport is it can create, like I, I got to the end of my own time and I was a lonely person. And mm. it was actually a, one of the reasons I moved away from the sport as well is that I needed to develop, more relationships but that's the thing also if you are if you're not in a relationship try to use the triathlon community to not yeah. be lonely so do yeah. actually connect and sometimes sacrifice some of your training going okay go to the I'm, coffee I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna be 10 percent below here today on what i really want to do but i'm gonna go out and and sit down with people after a ride or something like that so yeah you can flip everything around to make a positive out of a potential negative so but that's why this is comments. important these discussions are important because you can you know you can think about well, what are better ways of doing things and so mm. yeah this week's discussion john i had two options there bevan oh let me have a look Okay, so option one was, was getting some... You help. added one. I did. Because I've already done show notes, so we're doing a second one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. I don't know, yeah, okay, it's fine. Okay, well, what was it? Well, your first one was, what stops you from getting out and doing we'll do work next week? Oh, because the soft cocks didn't turn up last night? <laughs> yeah, pardon me. <laughs> you know who you are. You know, you, uh, was Murray there? Murray doesn't come to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Charlie Cox. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Hayden? No, it was noted. Philanator? Filmmaker is not, not present on Mondays. A few people even signed into the session. You've got to sign in, and then they didn't turn up. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. That's a shocker. Okay, so the, what, this is a, Peter Thorthias sent through an email. He's just got, uh, John Bev, I've been training out of, uh, of Australia for some, uh, sorry, I've been traveling out of Australia for some international triathlons in the past few years and been using Triathlon Australia's additional insurance with its, about, it's cost about $200 a race. My question is, what insurance do pro athletes use and can age athletes acquire the same level over the same number of races? So, so I guess the, the, the comment, the question we've got is what insurance is required in your country to race and what do you use when you're traveling? So it's kind of helping everybody out because this question comes up a lot for me as well. What insurance do you use? What insurance do you use? Um, so, do you? Do you? Um, or I, well, I'll give my comments next okay. week. But so in your country, what insurance do you use if you're traveling and, and try to say where you're from and then when you do travel to other races, what insurance cover do you need? And if you've got any really good places that do you've got to be careful when you go bargains on insurance because then you don't know what's on the other end but any suggestions you've got on good providers would be awesome we, we, John we're actually redoing insurance right now at the insurance meeting mm-hmm. insurance sucks doesn't it, it does because you need it yeah 
And insurance and salespeople always make you think you need more. <laughs> John, uh, sponsor. Extreme Endurance. We probably need to tell people, I'm getting lots of emails from people asking for discount codes. Yep. So the new deal with Extreme Endurance, they have their Team XND. And the cool thing about that is uh, you get 25% discount. Bad side of it is you pay, it's an annual fee of $95. But that gives you 25% off all products and apparel, uh, free shipping on every order in the States. You do have to be US based. Um, and you then you also get discounts on other products, sort of partners they've got as well. Uh, if you do refer other people as well, you can earn extra income. So look, if you're only buying one or two products a year, that's not going to be the best option. But if you're if you're a regular user and you're buying you know a handful of products a year, get on this. You can still take advantage of the discount, get your free shipping, and get onto it. So go to xendurance.com and check out their team XND. So we don't have a promo code at the moment. Um, this is your way to make sure you get discounted products. But I will say, I had an email through this morning. Yeah, I got the one as well. What, what is uh, Was it Max? Let me have a quick look. I don't, uh, I'm trying to pull it up as well. So I'll race you. Racing, racing, racing. Oh, this is great. Possibly. No, it's Jason. He Jason. said, because uh, he, he was asking about it and Bevan, he, he said, I guess I'll just roger up and pay my $95. The product is too good to squabble over 100 bucks, And that's what it boils down to. It's great having a discount code. And I'm... First person to love it, but look, this product really does make a big difference. So if you want to take your performance to the next level, recover quicker and race faster, check it out, xendurance.com or anywhere else around the world. Okay, John, three, two, one, website of the week. week. Good old Jim, Tim Hemming sent through this one. He said, you might be a one for your app slash website of the week for the future. This is a new app website that allows you to stream loads of endurance sports shows in one handy place. For example, they have the recent video on the Patagonia Man x try event that Lucy Charles or Lucy Gossage won. Uh, there are a host of other videos such as Challenge Wanaka, I'm in Wales in the triathlon section. Uh, you can all browse it here and I'll put a link to the website on www.imtalk.me but it's www.watch.endurancesports.tv and it's kind of like a Netflix really, isn't it? It's kind it's of great. Yeah, so it's kind of a Netflix and they're gathering. Now at this stage there's a website but I think they're developing an app as well mm -hmm. um, and at this stage there's a, they've got to start a free trial. Well, did you sign up? I did not. No, so the... the but you can, you don't, you don't, there's nothing you pay for at this stage. I'm not quite sure what their business model is going to be. But it's just a cool place of lots of different types of racing, really, isn't it? Well, it is. And it's, that's what you want. You want, when you go on the trainer, you're going, am I going to get something off YouTube today? Am I going to go, where the hell am I going to find something to watch? What I like about this, it's got you know running events, it's got cycling events, it's got triathlon challenge events, adventure racing, obstacle course. Um, and look, I think, they're probably not even going to maybe get all the Ironman coverage on here, although there is some Ironman coverage. It's more, you know, if they've got all the challenge races, you know, those half-hour highlight packages, this is fantastic. So really I really, is. really like it. Um, it's, it hasn't got – it's got – it's got enough content up there to, to well, certainly get progress, starting. Yeah. But yeah, if they can have this whole year, next year of you know things like Alpe d'Huez Triathlon, Embraer Man, all the independent races, it's good for them. It gives them another platform where they can promote uh, their events. And for us um, users, we've got uh, races we can go and watch. So it looks fantastic. I wonder what year this, this must be an old challenge one because it's got Sephora Ironman. So that was two two years ago. A couple of steep hills. So yeah, so you can go check out some amazing races. So I'll put a link to it. It's Endurance Sport TV or Watch Dot Endurance. But I think if you go to Endurance Sports TV, it's Dot TV. So like you know, that's because you have the different endings to websites. So I'll put a link to it in the show notes. www.imtalk.me. 
Nice. Not you, John. Remember we used to joke all the time? Um, John. <laughs> I think there's a reason why we stopped. It's not that funny. Well, because at the time, me didn't exist. Because yeah. someone took .com, didn't they? No, because we had to change the name. <laughs> we were, we I strongly suggested we change the yeah, name. We went to Kona and they said, if you want to do any content here, mate, sign this piece of legal document. <laughs> and John and I don't like reading the legal documents, <laughs> so we signed. Um, we're going to interview coming up. We have Hunter Allen, who is, as you're going to hear, is one of the really the the, four, the, the forefathers of, of trying to educate us all on how much Rushmore. Sorry? He'll be on the Mount Rushmore well, of power. But yeah, really just sort of, yeah, he, he had the, one of the first books out on power meters, what it's all about, and he's now got the third edition. Here is Hunter Allen. Okay, guys, um, we've got Hunter Allen back on the show, the author of uh, Training and Racing with a Power Meter. Just before we started, I was saying I've got the, the first edition, which I thought, well, I was looking at the date and it said 2006, and we're now 2019, and things have moved on, so the third edition is out, and uh, we're going to talk a bit about that as well as some other power-based things. So welcome back to the show, Hunter. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Hey, look, power meters are changing all the time, and 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 you'll you'll probably know uh, plenty about how they have changed over the years. I remember my first one. God, I must have been probably it was about two thousand six when you when your book came out. I'd imagine, um, and things have changed a lot since then. So maybe give us a bit of a firstly for for people that are new to power. Maybe just explain how power meters actually work and and how things are actually measured and the difference between like single-sided double-sided etc sure absolutely and that you know that was one of the changes we made in the between the second and the third edition actually was because power meters changed so rapidly we're just like man we're giving up on trying to review them and do all this because as soon as we print the book uh, one of the companies is going to go out of business there's going to be two new ones to start Mm -hmm. so so we decided to change chapter two, which is the power tools chapter, into a chapter that basically described like, okay, how do power meters measure? What's the philosophy behind power meters and how they measure? Um, and so power meters come in different shapes and sizes. Uh, number one, you can get them in what's called a spider, the spider of the crank. So that's between the chain rings, what you bolt your chain rings on, and the crank. So that's the most popular one. So it's been around the longest. SRM is the first one there. Uh, Quark was next. Power to Max, Pioneer, you know, Shimano, everybody and their brothers jumped on this one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um then there are ones that are embedded in the crank themselves. So info crank, uh, verve cycling, they have one that's actually embedded in the crank or glued onto the inside of the crank arm, like the stages power meter or the four eyes power meter. Uh, and uh, I think that the pioneer also has that one. And then the Shimano guys have one as well like that. So, uh, then then after that, then we've got the hub-based one, which is the good old power tap. Power tap's been around forever and ever, and their power meters just, you know, work. You know, I call them the Timex. They take a licking and keep on ticking uh, of the power meter world, uh, so you can build your wheel around that. 
And then some of the most recent ones that we've seen have been all the pedal-based ones. So now we have uh, PowerTap has pedals. Garmin was the first company to come out with pedals. They've uh, now on their version 3, the Vector 3s. There's a company called B-Pro that has pedals as well. Uh, so we've seen some pedal manufacturers jump in there. We have now SRM does a partnership with Look. They've got a pedal power meter too. So that's been really fun. And... What we look at, like, there there are three different kind of ways we measure power. So, for example, um, there is, you can buy a left crank arm only, so a stages that's just the left arm, and that just measures your left leg, okay? So it doesn't measure the power coming from the right leg. So, uh, you know, I, I like to cut, to joke a little bit, those, those are... Uh, accurate half the time (laughs) 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 so um you know the the problem with i mean the the great thing is they're inexpensive okay the problem with them is that that it's only your left leg so you know if you have a big left leg you could look like you need to be in the european peloton (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> or if you have a really weak left leg, it may look think that you need to take up uh, golf. Yeah. So <laughs> um, that's the issue with that. The other thing which has been really interesting, and, and I dig into this a little bit in the chapter where we talk about um, measuring left and right independently, is that a lot of us actually rest a leg. So, And we rest a leg at different places in our energy system. So in in general, it's kind of like when you're at endurance pace, active recovery, even tempo, one leg is a little lazy. And so, um, but then once you get closer to your FTP, that leg kicks in and now it contributes more, maybe it's 50-50 even at that point, or even more maybe, maybe the Maybe the, it goes the opposite way. That lazy leg now becomes the dominant leg. Uh, and then as you go above it, that lazy leg could become lazy again as you do a sprint or something. Hmm. So it can be that the left leg thing is problematic. It's a great way to get into it, but I would recommend that as soon as you can, go to one that measures both sides. Just, just on that, Hunter, like, um, just two kind of questions here. Which one do you prefer? Like, uh, there seems to be a lot of different models, and, and obviously, just the one-sided ones, kind of an ineffective or, or lesser of a product. But when we look at all the options out there, which one do you kind of think is the best? And maybe when we are thinking about price range as well. And also, are there any other developments that are coming along that maybe most of us aren't aware of? Right. Well, I mean, so I like, um, I want to measure both legs, okay? So I want to get both leg power. Um, and I don't necessarily, like in, for some athletes with the, the independent right and left, so like the, with the pedal-based ones where you, and uh, the Shimano one, the Pioneer one, uh, the InfoCrank one where you can measure left and right independently, those are really nice because it can tell you some information about what's happening between your left and right. You know, is one leg weaker than the other or less dominant than the other? And should we do something about it, number one? 
Uh, and then two, do you have a problem with that? So I like the ones that measure both legs the best. Um, from there, then I basically look at it and and in terms of well, what suits you the best? You know, I mean, if you travel a lot, well, buy a set of pedals and you can just take your shoes and pedals with you, and you can rent a bike anywhere in the world and you can throw them on. You got a power meter, or you can mm. throw them on the exercise bike at the hotel. Um, if you're really attached to a specific type of pedal, like a lot of people use speed play pedals here in the U.S., um, then uh, you're probably going to want to stick with your pedals. You might want to go with a more of a crank-based one. But then you got to look at, well, am I one of these people that changes frames on a regular basis? And if I get well, – I got some – odd duck frame that's like a bb90 or some ridiculous thing and then i decide i'm going to get a bba386 or a bb30 or bb33 or some whatever else comes out now you're like oh, crap i gotta get a new power meter mm -hmm. so um that's another consideration to make i mean each of these power meters have pros and cons right they've all got skeletons in their closets mm -hmm. um so it really, I kind of, I kind of look at it that way and think about, you know, how am I going to use it, you know, for what too, and in the triathlon thing too, same, same kind of thing there, you know, how best is it going to fit on my bike? Any, any, as Bevan said, any, any new developments that are sort of coming out at the moment? I saw some company that was, it was, uh, was in Norway or something like that that had, they were coming in at some completely new price point. Um, they'd found a different way to manufacture the strain gauges or something like that. So any, any new developments that you're aware of that, that, that uh, are new, coming out recently or, or are going to be coming out? Um, well, I, 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 I can't tell you. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, to kill you. Um, yeah, there you go, exactly. Um, um, but at the same time, like I think that uh, you know we're going to see a couple of new things come out, um, and you know I always reserve judgment on these kind of things because uh, you know having been in this game for a little while now, we've seen you know them come and go, and you know it's like, well, you know, does this work? Does it not work? Is it a good one or is it not a good one? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that that's one of those things there. I, I don't see anything revolutionary, so to speak. I mean, I think that that that's you know we're we're at the the limit of what what can be. Um, the price point, of course, is going to continue to go down just as the market continues to get saturated. I mean, we just saw SRAM bought PowerTap, mm -hmm. which is like holy crap, a huge surprise, uh, and uh, then. We've seen a couple of companies basically kind of go out of business very quietly as well. Um, so I think that that's uh, that's a concern a little bit, you know, um, because you know the, the the market is only so big, uh, and then you got some of the big players in there now. We got Shram owning Quark, Shram owns PowerTap. Shimano's got their own power meter as well, uh, so we'll see more th more things that are OEM'd on bikes. They just come with power meters. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I think that's kind of kind of the direction it's going. 
So, so you come from a from a cycling background, and and as I said, you know, I, I think I met you, yeah, probably was maybe two oh six or something like that when you came out to New Zealand. Um, yeah. You know, you will have learned a lot about triathletes between now and then, and you know, what 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 have you learned more so from the the age group athletes as you've seen more and more and more power information? You know, what have you learned compared to to, to what you see with cyclists for, from from more from an age group perspective? Yeah, you know, I think the one thing that's been uh, really exciting is that, uh, I mean, we've always known we're very uh, individuals, very much individuals, and our energy systems, our physiology is is very much individualized. We recover at different rates. We respond to training at different rates. Um and you know, I mean, you know, and and there are some of us that are big out that have big outliers that are big outliers, and um, that individual nature we can we've learned to to be able to one define even more. So we know exactly what are some of your breakpoints, so to speak, from when you go um, aerobic to anaerobic. Uh, you know, we don't need to necessarily have you go to a lab to figure that out. Now we can figure it out just with looking at your data um in in software so i think that's been really fun because then all of a sudden it's like wow you know i I'm, i need to train this person differently because they don't fit the traditional cog and classic training zones that are you know well your anaerobic capacity is 121 to 150 well heck this person is like they can do 300 percent for 30 seconds you know and um so we need to train them very differently uh, and, and so I think that's been a lot of fun to learn about. Um, this left-right thing has been a real um, passion of mine to learn more and more about uh, what's happening and how we pedal. Uh, and I think that that's been um, – I've learned a lot about that over the last five to six years as those uh, power meters have come out too. Uh, and and I think that, that um, we'll continue to see more in that area where – uh, we learn more about um, how do we become more economical and reduce some of our dead spots in our pedaling stroke. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be one of the directions we'll see. Cool. Now, um, a lot of triathletes will have looked at cyclist programs, and myself included. You know, sometimes you go on to whether it be Trainer Road or whether it be um, Zwift or whatever and you look at some of the, the workouts are in there and I'm just sitting there going there's no way in hell I'd ever be able to complete that workout the the intensity is just too great and it's not that I'm being a, a soft cock or anything it's just like I can't generate that sort of power right. so you know um, what's your advice to triathletes when they, they look at cyclist workouts because triathletes generally are carrying a lot more fatigue in their legs from the mm-hmm. From the running and from racing, you know, you can go and do a bike race on Saturday, and you can be, you know, off doing a, you know, some quality quality work earlier the next week. Triathletes are slightly different. So, what do triathletes need to do when they look at what cyclists do and and what not to do and what they should be learning? Right. So, I think that remember, you know, when, when we think about the triathlon, we always come back to the demands of the event. I mean, that's one of the things that hasn't changed over all these years. Um, you know, one first, the thing we got to do is define the demands of the event. Secondly, we got to figure out what are the strengths and limiters or uh, strengths and 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 weaknesses of the actual athlete himself or herself. Uh, and then we match those things up. So triathlon, you know, very typically, unless you're doing a, a draft legal type event, is very much a 
um, steady state kind of an effort. Uh, you don't have to respond to lots of surges and lots of uh, sprints and accelerations and stuff like you do in, in cycling. And so training for that is is much easier from that perspective. You know, we don't, you know, as a triathlete, you don't need to do a ton of hill repeats that are 30 seconds long and we don't need to do tons of sprints or um, or any of that that kind of nature because of uh, because of the demands of the event are different. So that's one area that I think that uh, triathletes can get hung up about is if they start to look at some of those um, and see, oh my gosh, you know, wow, I need to do, you know, six times one minute at, you know, 150% of my FTP. Uh, you know, I've never done that in my life. Mm. Well, I don't know if you need to do that. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's one of those things where you just need to make sure that, hey, um, I'm training the demands of the event. And so think about, well, what's going to be the biggest bang for my buck, right? I mean, always come back to FTP, right? If your FTP is 200 watts and you bump it to 250, you're going to ride faster. You're going to run faster because you're now, you know, saving more energy at the end. Uh, if your FTP is 250 and you go to 300, then you're going to go even faster, uh, so we always want to improve our FTP, and and learning to do that at a at a, um, is is paramount for certain uh, for triathletes. So so think about how can I train my FTP. So so then in conjunction with that, uh, you know, if we look at how you're going to train someone to a 40k TT on a bike, uh, other than if you kind of transfer that to someone doing like an Olympic triathlon, what is the key sessions they're going to do maybe eight weeks up to the race? Right. So when we think about that, um, you know, your, your eight weeks, we, we, our fitness changes in eight-week cycles. So we can, we can get a big fitness difference in eight-week cycles. The, the hard part is knowing where you are in the eight-week cycle. Mm. <laughs> you, you may be six weeks in and you only need two weeks of really hard training and then you peak, right? Mm. Um, or <laughs> you may be at the very beginning and you need the full eight weeks to, to lead up to it. So that's where a periodized plan is very important. Um, but when we just say, okay, well, all things being equal, if eight weeks, you got eight weeks to go, then I'm going to heavily load you with hard training for a solid four to six weeks before the event. That's going to focus on what we call sweet spot training just below your FTP, 88 to 93, 95%, 85 to 95, somewhere in that range. And, uh, and then as we get closer to it, so now we're four weeks out from the event, so um, weeks four, five, six, something like that, um, I'm going to shift you over into pure FTP work where you're going to be riding right at the edge, uh, 100%, 105% of your FTP, doing 10-minute intervals, doing 15-minute intervals, doing 20-minute intervals right at the edge to get that final pop, to get that final little FTP bump. And finally, I'm going to make you do VO2 max workouts because VO2 max can improve your FTP. It absolutely can bring your FTP up that last, you know, five or ten watts. I mean, think of um, think of your FTP as a table. All right, so you're probably sitting at a table right now. You know, it, it takes an hour to go from one side of the table to the other side of the table, and Everybody, it takes an hour. It takes an hour for you. It takes an hour for me. It takes an hour for Chris Froome. It takes an hour for 
um, whomever, right? It's this, this is the same. It's an hour. The difference is the height of your table, right? So you start out and your, your table's down near the bottom of the floor, right? And your FTP is 100 watts. And then you get a little better, it's 200 watts. The table gets a little taller. And eventually then you're at the ceiling, right? And your FTP is at the highest it can possibly be. And you're winning the you know, world championships in Ironman. Now, how do you pick up a table? You go up to a table, right, and you put your hands down on top of it, your fingertips on top of it, and you just lift it up off the ground magically, right, because you've got, like, magnets and you're Spider-Man and you can just pull it up. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. You're not Spider-Man. You don't have magnets to your hands, right? You come underneath the table, right? You put your hands just underneath the, 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 the table itself and you lift it up from underneath it. And that's really like rotting just below your FTP. Now, you know, I could I could put take my fingernails and I could probably jang them, jab them into the edge of the table and lift it up right like that, but it's going to hurt, right? And I can only do it for so long. That's rotting right at your FTP. You're on the edge, right? You're going as hard as you can. Well, I can also go down to the old, you know, local home supply store, buy some hooks screw some hooks down into the top of the table and pull it up with the hooks. Now that's, I, I put too many holes in my table. It's going to collapse and fall apart. Right? So that's why you don't train that high intensity stuff all the time, but that's training VO two max, you know, pulling it up from the top with those hooks is like what we call VO two max. So that makes a difference too. Mm. So, in, in terms of um, the, the book, and, and I guess if people have got either the first edition or the second edition, you've alluded to a couple of um, points, things that you've changed there in terms of like the, not reviewing the power meters and, and sort of just trying to explain the, the general landscape a bit more. What are some of the other things that people perhaps who have got the book and also those that um, that haven't, maybe just go into a bit more detail on what they can find there. And also, you know, we were just discussing, you know, things to how to improve your FTP, maybe explain some of the the workouts or the or, or what, what's, what's inside the book. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, one, I've got uh, somebody just kind of review some of the changes. Uh, number one, uh, we've got a whole new chapter on some of the new metrics. So we came up with a, a bunch of new metrics that uh, – uh, Dr. Coggin and a bunch of us worked on over the past uh, three or four years. So we'll talk about those here in a second. So there's some new advances in some of the, the metrics that we've come up to help us in more individualized training. Uh, two, I've got a, a great new uh, training plan for triathletes in there. I really am super proud of that. I've gotten tons of emails from triathletes over the years. Hey, we really want a training plan in the book. So I've got a great training plan there for triathletes. So I can talk about that in a second. Uh, then uh, we've also got a training plan in there for masters athletes because again, that's a big. Um, you know, most of us are are over over thirty years old and and uh, and and looking at, at how do we train differently now that we're not twenty anymore. Mm. And then uh, the whole left right thing again, like I, we talked about earlier, that's really interesting. So I've got a section on left right power meters uh, and. Uh, We've got a, just a, um, you know, again, the, the chapter two power tools is done. I've got tons of new workouts in the back and the appendix, like 300 new workouts in the appendix. So, you know, really kind of a comprehensive review all over, uh, all over the book. But um, 
let, let me talk first about some of the new metrics because those have been um, some of the things that, that we've really been interested in lately. And, and how do we individualize the training even more? Um, you know, having a power meter and collecting all this data allows us to see exactly what we do from from that perspective. And and like we said, you know, you may be this person that can do 300% for 30 seconds, but our classic zones, the Andy Coggin classic zones, say you should only 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 be able to do them for 150%. Mm. So when we, we look at what we call this, there's a curve we call the mean maximal power curve. That curve is, if you imagine time on the x-axis from zero seconds all the way out to your longest ride, and then on the y is wattage. And so there at one second is your best power, and um, that's going to be you know whatever your best one second is, thousand watts, you know, et cetera, whatever you can sprint, you know. And then you've got all the power for five seconds, twenty seconds. 10 minutes, 12 minutes, all the way, goes all the way out to your longest ride. So it creates this little curve. And then we, we uh, use some, some, uh, some pretty sophisticated math to come up with a line of best fit that goes on that curve. And that curve we call, that line of best fit, we call the power duration curve. And so that helps us to understand a little bit about how the mathematical model of your physiology should be. So you have a physiology that says, okay, well, if you have this curve, it fits this way, and you should be able to hold a minute and a half a little bit higher than what you're actually holding. Or, you know, you're actually exceeding that curve by a lot. So you have to kind of think about those things. And with that curve, we can derive a bunch of things. One, we can derive what's called the modeled FTP, so in the Training Peaks WKO4 software, and that's mainly where this is, it's in and we look at the the bend in that power duration curve right around an hour. And because we know that FTP is generally about an hour long, um, that bend helps us to determine, well, you know, what's your modeled FTP? And it is just a, um, a point of triangulation. You know, it's another point of triangulation to help understand where that number is. Um, from there, then we've just, we've come up with a, a, a more general term to encompass your ability to do work above your FTP. So think about our power training zones above FTP right now. We've got level five VO2, level six anaerobic capacity, level seven neuromuscular power. We kind of lumped them all under one, like one umbrella, and said, well, all this ability to do work above your FTP is what we call functional reserve capacity. And it's a capacity like a battery. And um, imagine if you had a, uh, a little electric motor, you had an e-bike. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but it only lasted for 10 seconds or 20 seconds or 40 seconds. Like it didn't last very long. And, uh, you know, in, in, but you, it, it knew, well, gosh, you could do 1,400 Watts, uh, for 10 seconds. And if you held that button down for 10 seconds, you'd get a thousand four hundred Watts for 10 seconds. And then it would be totally dead, right? You'd exhausted your functional reserve capacity. And so, you know, well, okay, I can't actually do 1,400 
watts for 10 seconds. But if I divide it in half, 700 watts, and double the time to go to 20 seconds, well, I can do 700 watts for 20 seconds. So that actually would allow me to know how much work I can do above my FTP and then how long I can maintain it. So for triathletes, probably not super important. Uh, for cyclists, very important because then it helps us to understand exactly, um, you know, well, when can we attack? Can we attack now? How long can we attack for? Can we improve this? Um, how fatigued are we? What is my FRC right now? So model FTP, FRC, those are two really new interesting metrics that, that we've come up with in this, uh, in, in this edition. Cool. We had a question from um, Rob Dallymore. Um, one of the features is I know that it's a, a Training Peaks feature. Um, they've got the power profile graph, which he thinks is awesome, but it's only really relevant to cycling. So that sort of profiles you compared to, say, a Cat 1 cyclist, Cat 2 world class, etc. cetera. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any way of scaling that for triathletes a little bit, or is it purely more of a, a cycling uh, metric, that one? Yeah, there's not really a way to do it for triathletes. Um, you know, the the problem is like if um, you know most triathletes end up being what we call um, upwards sloping to the right. So if you look at the power profile, their five second and one minute, which are the first two columns on the left, are always very low. Mm. Um, and I think that you know, I mean, that some can be can be a little bit of well, it's, you know, the, the chicken or the egg, you don't actually um, train that, and so therefore it's low, or you actually chose triathlon because you don't have a great sprint <laughs> and you would suck at cycling. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so some of that is, 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 is a part of it. Um, so every, all triathletes kind of look upward sloping to the right, and so if you just kind of lopped off those two categories and took the five-minute VO2 max and the hour FTP one, um, in there, I mean, gosh, some of the best triathletes in the world, I mean, their FTPs are up there with some of the best pros in the world. I mean, they're not they're not Chris Froome at 6.4 watts per kilo or anything, but they're, you know, I mean, they're 6 watts per kilo easy, if not 6.2, um, you know, uh, I've seen a few power files that are like, wow, this guy's 6.2 watts per kilogram. You know, this is, this guy's a real deal here. Um, so they would still fit in the world class category. Um, and, and I, another one that we really, um, we wanted to do and we struggled with it and we went back and forth and we went back and forth. We worked on it. I spent a lot of hours on it. Coggin spent hours on it. Um, and we just just couldn't we just didn't get it to where we wanted it to be um, was come up with a master's power profile um, by ages right mm -hmm. so it's like well okay I'm, I'm 62 years old well what's the best in the world between 60 and 64 right mm -hmm. and what would that be how would I fit against that rider mm -hmm. uh, and so again we kind of the, the problem with that is one, you know, of just a matter of collection of data. Like we need probably a hundred or more 60 to 64 year olds to send us data. So we need people in every different category to send us data, including 
the world champions, which would be a challenge to capture their data. Um, I don't even know who the 60-64 world champion is right now, but we could probably figure that out, and mm. whether they have power meter or not, I don't know. Um, but then again, like, you know, gosh, I, I got a 60-year-old guy that I'm working with right now, and the guy's a freaking animal. I mean, his FTP is like 5.7 watts per kilogram. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's a reason the dude's a world champion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, holy crap, you know, this guy's amazing. Um, and so those guys blow it out of the water, and they're like, well, okay, the best 60-year-old dude is, like, freaking a pro. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just, just, just finally, for, for triathletes, um, and probably more, more so for Ironman athletes, you know, if you've got – Ironman athlete comes along and says, "What roughly what power should I be trying to ride an Ironman at? You know, what what's your sort of starting point? What, what do you go and say, do this, 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 and this? And, and is this sort of stuff outlined in the book? So maybe give us a bit of a teaser if it's in the book. We obviously want people to go out and get it. But yep. what's your sort of starting point for Ironman athletes that have got some experience, they've got some data, they've done some races? How do you yep. sort of start working your way through it? Absolutely. There is a table in the triathlon section there, that uh, triathlon uh, chapter, that talks about, you know, pacing guidelines. So if your FTP is this um, and you're doing an, or, uh, if you're doing an Ironman, then you should hold this percentage of FTP. Now, um, there, you have to have, um, you know, a little bit of, there's, there's a, a wider range, for example. So like, let's say it's, it's between 68% and 74% of your FTP. That's a pretty big range for an Ironman athlete. You may find that, uh, I mean, I looked at uh, one of the Ironman winners from uh, Kona uh, last two years in a row, and he was right at 74% of his FTP for the entire thing. He had, like, the top three bike leg, et cetera, all that stuff. Um so even the best in the world aren't riding at 80% of their FTP for an Ironman type of event. Now, maybe a cooler one where it's not quite so hot and humid. Um, I've got an Ironman um, file from a guy who won the Lake Placid one in New York. Well, it was relatively – it was a very cool year that year, and he rode nearly 80% for his entire um, Ironman bike leg and then won the run as well. But that was a real outlier. Um, it was only, I think, because, one, he was totally on form, peaking perfectly at the right time, and it was a very, very cool day. Um, so that, that helped him. But for most age group, um, you know, they're somewhere in the 60 to 70% of their FTP. 68, 67, 66, that upper 60% is going to probably be a good place to start. Um, you know, and, and I recommend, wow, 68% that you can't go wrong with that necessarily, uh, and still be able to run a good solid run off of it. Nice. Awesome guys. If you want to find out loads more detail, you know, we've just touched on a bunch of subjects. Go check out training and racing with a power meter. You can get it at, um, by the looks of it pretty much everywhere. Go to, you can find out by, via velopress.com. It's all listed up there. And, and I'll put links to it in the show notes as well, yeah, guys. So Hunter, thanks as always for your time. We love your enthusiasm and, uh, knowledge, and, and knowledge and, and that guys, this is, you know, been this, this series of additions has been the forefront of, uh, power meter training and racing. Yeah. So thanks for your time, Hunter. Oh, I'm super glad to, to be on here, you guys, and 
And uh, it's great to talk to you again and, uh, and keep up the great work. You guys rock. Awesome, mate. Thank you. So person to view, uh, John, your thoughts? That's uh, all good stuff. I haven't seen the book yet, but uh, you know, I was uh, to research this one. I was looking through the two thousand six book. Going, some of this stuff's a bit out of date, and it is when it's thirteen years out of Especially date. Especially in technology like that. Hunter will be the first to admit that. Uh, so yeah, great to see a new edition. Great to see they're looking and focusing on triathletes um, a lot more. And I think you know we can learn from what cyclists do, but we have to take it with a grain of well, salt. Well, I do think, as you're saying, because ultimately what he's saying is we have to have specificity to our sport, don't we? Mm. And, you know, cyclist, cycle racing is completely different to oh, long-distance triathlon. Absolutely. You know, so, um, yeah, so check it out. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. John, let's do our winger of the week. Winger of the week in 33rd position this week was... Ben, no, last week was Ben Boyd. He did 17 hours and 18 minutes of training, 4 hours 10 on the swim, 8.57 on the bike, and 4 hours and 9 minutes uh, running. And I'm going to keep doing my little side-by-side comparison. Okay, of, uh, oh, I must be private. I can't do my side-by-side comparison. Um, oh, no, I can. Yep, no, I tell a lie. Here we go. His, uh, his last four weeks, he averages four rides a week, 303 Ks a week, average time per week, Eight hours and twenty nine minutes. What does he say? He's doing four four rides a week. He's doing four runs a week, and he's doing five swims a week. Am I on the list this week? Sorry, am I on the list? You got, you made the top one hundred. I don't know. No, no, I didn't. How many hours do you have to do your top one hundred? Well, I, I did more than two hours. <laughs> Christine McKinlay took out a hundredth place in thirteen hours Wait eight a minutes. Let me go my Strava. Surely, I because I, I did five runs last week. It's the last first time I've done five runs in years. Well, does that get you thirteen hours and eight minutes of training? And I will say, no, but the leaderboard. Oh, last week. This is yes. this week's leaderboard. Oh no, no yeah. hope. So no hope. I just saw this week's. You can't log people. Don't log walking with the dog and things like no, that. It's not, not not good enough, team. Not good enough. Wild McCormack, if, if, if you're listening, I'd look to... Have you been in a wheelchair all your life? Yeah. And you got out and you're now walking? We'll let you have it. Yeah. Not but acceptable. Not walking your dogs. Come on, team. Sharp Turn your up. watch off. 13 hours. I'm never going to get on this list, John. Yeah. Well, no. Okay, what, one week I'm going to add my gym classes. But I don't know how I can do that. Um, I don't know if it adds just strength stuff to here. I don't think it does. But if I wore a heart rate monitor... Yeah. I think it just mainly focuses on swim, bike, run. Oh, man. Okay, John, let's go on. Let's go in questions and answers. Who is this from, John? This was from the Commandant. Okay, it's like a couple weeks ago, I asked a question about using 70.3 data to extrapolate a full Ironman race time to help with pacing, which John kindly answered. you very kind, John. Mm. No, I didn't get an official uh, finish at Galveston 70.3. I was about 100 yards short of the shoot when the clock got turned off. Oh, and everyone was ordered to take shelter. That was the bad weather day, wasn't it? It was. Wow, you're 100 metres. Oh, however, I got my Garmin data and was racing well and nearly finished, so that was all I really needed. Anyway, I got a couple of follow-up questions. I noticed my pull pace does doesn't seem to translation translate to my OW. Open water. Open water. Um, I'm sure some of it might be GPS error and say I'm um, due to poor navigation, but I'm consistently about six to ten seconds per hundred yards slower in open water. Any other thoughts on as to why this might be? I've got a similar question about bike power. I always produce better power numbers on the road than on the trainer by 20 to 30 watts. Other than what is being a limp uh, noodle on the trainer, what might this be? Thanks, Julian, the Commandant Swats. 
So first thing I would say is pretty much ignore your GPS data for open water swimming. It's just so inaccurate. You just see wild variations on people swimming side by side. They come in, one person's got 1,500 metres, the other person's got 1,700 metres. Okay, so so I pretty much ignore your open water swimming. And it's not consistent either. It's, um, you know, you, what we often say is if your power meter's different, as long as it's consistently different, it might be okay. But some stuff, I just, I completely ignore open water data. It's, um, yeah, it's not really that helpful. So can't really help you out too much there in terms of your open water performance. Um, look, the main tip I have for people open water swimming from the navigation side of things is have a, actually have a look at what your technique's doing in the swim. And for a lot of people that zigzag through the swim and they think they swim extra distance, it's because their hands are entering in front of their head and then they start to pull sideways. So they're constantly zigzagging through the water. So that would probably be my number one open water tip. Um, have a look at what, you pull, what you're doing in the pool. Look at where your hands are entering and make sure it's more in line with the front of your shoulders rather than crossing your front, in front of your head. To the second part of your question you said um, that your numbers on the road are 20 to 30 watts higher than what you see on the trainer haven't got an answer for you but I've got a bunch of questions you should be asking yourself so first one would be are you using the same bike when you're going indoor and outdoor because there can be a variation between um, whether you're on a road bike or whether you're on a TT bike or whether you're measuring kicker power or I mean sorry your trainer power versus power meter power so that's the first thing you should be asking second one is whether you're sitting up a lot on the indoor trainer versus being in aero position so there's differences in power there typically when people are sitting up they're going to be able to produce more power and a lot of people sit up when they're on the trainer inside and then go outside and they're in the aero position um, thirdly then start looking at your stats um, is your cadence the same when you're on the trainer as opposed to being out on the road is your heart rate um, significantly different so if you're riding inside at 200 watts for example um, if, what is your 200 watts outside in terms of what's going on with your heart rate and then uh, a couple of other final things I would say is when you're doing your inside rides are you riding in erg mode versus standard mode that can sometimes influence the, the power that people produce and then lastly um, looking at the power profile uh, not the power profile the course profile that you're doing outside because Inside, you're generally riding, or you're riding on the flat. Outside, if you're just looking at, say, your normalised power for the whole bike ride, there's going to be that variability in there with, with the hills and what have you. Probably not so much in Galveston because it's a flat race, but it is still probably got some wind out there. So again, have a look at your stats in terms of your variability. So you want to, I guess the overall point is, you want to make sure that you don't just look at the overall number. You're trying to do a like-for-like like comparison. So you're looking at heart rate, cadence, conditions, whether using the same bike, power meter, position, is everything exactly the same or not? So those are things you should be asking yourself when you're comparing inside, outside numbers. Good old Ken, uh, is that his name, Teo? Yep. Teo, Ken Teo, he's got, um, just sent through an email, he's a pretty interesting, bloody amazing one actually. Um, since John is travelling, I think you guys may need some extra content. I'm, I'm back now, he's okay. Back. He's, he's back, thank you Ken. Yeah. Uh, I was following the Seeker Henry story, a black female athlete uh, trying to be the first black pro with a pro card she was racing the 7.3 galveston two weeks ago and she crashed and there's a link to it i'll put a link in the show notes jeez man she got ripped Munted. up man. oh my god it's a horror. her face is oh poor lady and she she said in the in the in the article that she wanted the 
doctors to or the nurses to hold a mirror so she could have a look at herself what she looked like and they wouldn't give it give her one because so, she doesn't look great uh, so she ended up taking a selfie to see what she looked like it's not it's not great no man so she basically crashed in a race um into she was she was la- lapping athletes and uh crashed into somebody and had a very bad incident and as bevan said look one thing i will say ken was was, was stating here she was she's trying to be the first um black athlete to get a pro card which is a sad state of affairs in our sport um but i would say on the what's black well color african really but yeah. in fact there's not been no female uh, what, what i would say in, in iron man now, when I, when I saw this, I went, "Oh, gross!" And when I think back, I can't recall ever a black um, female Ironman athlete on the ITU side of it. Surely it's, not to you. It, it's be. more, you know, the, there's, there's certainly athletes there from all ethnicities. Um, but in terms of Ironman, um, there was Iona Winter, who was a Jamaican athlete. Uh, I think she raced Ironman, but that was that was way. That was back in the nineties, I'd say. So I was, I was like, "Wow, really? That's a bit of a sad state of affairs." But yeah, she, 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 so, she, she had broken nose, thirty-four stitches in her face, broken teeth, loose and cracked. Um, not racing. Yeah, so I hope she gets a speedy recovery. But I would say, I was, when I was watching Daniela Reef at the weekend in Texas. She she, well, no, she does have a photo later, a week later, and she actually looks a lot better. So yeah. they've done a good job of her. Um, watching Daniela Reef in Texas going through an aid station, and she was lapping athletes and trying to get aid. Bloody hell, that looked pretty scary. You know, very oh, sketchy. Of course, yeah. And, and that's the thing with these multi-lap races with thousands of people. The athletes she was passing were just completely clueless, uh, riding two abreast, and she had one stage she had nowhere to go. She had to just sit up and couldn't actually get around them without riding onto the wrong side of the road and getting aid. You know. She had to zigzag in and out of people to actually get aid, so it's a it's a real issue. And, and we saw it and wrote the year we were there that I was racing. Um, what twenty seventeen? The guy who was leading the race he crashed into a tail end cyclist um, when he was oh, out of right, course. Yeah. And it is it's a real issue for our sport. I think. Jeez, it's um yeah fascinating, isn't it? Well, so how does that happen? How do we get more diversity? I suppose is the way to put it in, into our sport. Spencer Smith is doing the thing, isn't he? Remember, he was doing the, the taking, trying to get African kids oh, into the sport. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. You and, know, we, and he was getting lots of like sending bikes over and yeah. The ITU do a very good job at this. Um, yeah, well, well, I know Pete, Pete Clifford, he, and he goes over into Asia and helps out. Yeah, yeah. so ITU have got a mandate to to do that as as a. Um, an Olympic sport uh, and so I did note that uh, the World Duathlon champs this week they had a Kenyan team that they're I'm not sure if it was them developing but they're trying to develop a Kenyan um, duathlon team so I think it's working but you know I, I guess it's more so in the in developed countries why is this not really happening in developed countries you know yeah it's an, it's an interesting question because well, well who knows um okay john let's talk about our patrons uh we've got chris the battleship niebauer i'm gonna say marcus the thunderbolt aronson yep yep i got a new one got a new one got a robin gory yep. so john tell me about him he's a father of three husband of one that's good. Oh, that's good. You know, you have, you he doesn't ever hear him. Father of three, husband of three. I'll be going, wow, you've got an interesting life. Just turned 45. You know, you, you, you do hear those stories of people who have, like, it'd be hard to do nowadays because of the internet, but back in the day when they have, like, wives in different cities, mm-hmm. you know, and they literally have, like, two different families, and you think, how stressful would that be? <laughs> oh, my God. 
Uh, anyway, Not saying that Robin is Robin's one of those. Not. He's a web developer. He moved out to New Zealand and he's in Napier. Been oh, there for nice. the last 14 years. Joined uh, Triathlon Hawks Bay in 2012 for a new challenge. Learned how to swim and I now enjoy the local sprint triathlons and duathlons. They've got a great scene up in Hawks Bay. Um, I've completed the last t- four Taupo 70.3s and improved my time every year. Looking forward to going sub five hours this year. Good work. Go. Okay, so Robin. Robin. You think Batman, don't you? Or do you go tweet, tweet? No, 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 tweet, tweet, tweet. Robin, tweet, tweet, Gory. Uh, I think Batman. No, 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 no. I've got it. I've got it. Which I'm sure he's got. But what's Robin's other name? Nightwing. Robin Batman's other name. Wait a second. Robin. Are you talking more modern times? Are you? Yeah, because he has another name. Robin Batman's other um, other name. Okay. Other Let's see name. what Google's going to bring up for you, I Robin. I think it's Nightwing, isn't it? Let's have a look. Robin Batman's other name. Robin, Batman, Robin, 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 Robin. Uh, uh, it's not working for me. Alternative visions of Robin. How about we have a pause while you look for it? This okay, is, I'm going to pause. We're back in one thing. second. And we're back in it. It's, it's Nightwing. I think it's a lot better than Tweet Tweet. Great. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But <laughs> so, I will say, from a few weeks ago, John Fredrickson rightly selected my na- nickname, The Falcon. I can't even remember what. I didn't even put yours down. I was so confident in mine. John, John The Falcon you, you Fredrickson. Wrong, you chose wrong, and you know it. Mm. Deep down, you know it. Good old Robin. Well, I guarantee he would rather play Nightwing than Tweet Tweet. <laughs> I think he would. Nightwing? You're the Nightwing. If you do like Tweet Tweet, Robin, just get in touch. Yeah, we'll, we can change that. There you go. Nightwing. It's got a good ring to it as well, isn't it? It has. Yeah. Okay, John, That's uh, if you want to become a patron, you go to me. support the boys in the show, and you go on there, and you'll see there's a link on there to become a patron. And if you become a patron, you get a gift. You also get an entry to come to Cone of the Boys next year, and you just support what we do on the show each week. So if you enjoy the show, please become a patron, and thank you to those who already are patrons. If you want to get the show emailed to you, when you are on www.iamtalk.me, just go to the bottom of the main page. You'll see the little sign-up thing form there. Go down to the bottom of the sign-up form, and it's just pretty much pretty obvious from there. Uh, you can check out our, our challenges. Do you like the work I did on the challenge rope? Yes, we've got. Uh, so if you do want to come to challenge rope, um, we've already got a number of people putting their hands up. Number of people bring partners as well. Oh, good so times. if you want to get on it, you need to get on it pretty soon. Um, we're hoping for a, a sellout camp. We've got twenty slots only uh, to do the race, so you need to get on it and sooner or later because they will go. Yeah, and it's it's. Awesome, mm. like there's not a bad moment in that whole camp. No, it's great, you'll love it. So, check it out, get onto ASAP because they will set up pretty quickly. It's quick Challenge here. Rote 2020, so you've got an over a year to change. If you're thinking, I've had that on my bucket list for quite some time, you got a year to plan, you got a year to save, and you don't have to worry about sitting up and trying to get in that 30 second window to try to get into the race. We've got the slots, and you have a good time. And look, one of the key things is you get that whole week experience, so you get to see the course, um, and it's a, a real advantage on that race course to, to, to actually go around and bike, bike around because it's not a fast, flat course. If you're going somewhere like a Florida or Texas or something like that where it's just flat, you don't really need to do course reconnaissance, but, man, it helps hugely at this race. Yeah, good times. Okay, check, check, check it out, and you can get that on www.mindtalk.me. If you want to get some coaching, check out coachedonnewsome.com. Check out my podcast at bevanjamesiris.com, and if you want to send us some content, age group of the week, website of the week, anything like that, just iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, you gossip. My gossip, um, my gossip went to the Rootburn track at the weekend uh, last week, which is fantastic. Highly recommend it. Was harder than I anticipated. Oh, really? Um, more so, just you forget the first how, bit's hard, eh? Yeah. Oh, which which way does the race go from? Well, you you go. Oh, you probably go the other way. And no, we go the opposite way. But as you just forget how 
started is carrying a pack oh, when you've yeah. got everybody else's shit in there, all the food and stuff. And so the kids set up. So how many pace. days? Three days. Okay. So first days. I think it was about three hours. Second day we did this as an optional extra. We went up the top of this mountain, which was an extra hour and a half. So I think we were probably out there for a good six oh, wow. six hours or so yeah. on the second day. And then the last day was quite a bit easier downhill um, with a couple of climbs. And that was maybe three or four hours. Um, fantastic. We had three amazing days of weather, which was brilliant. And just uh, I get as much satisfaction as seeing the kids enjoying themselves than I get out of seeing it myself but that being said it was spectacular lots of just amazing views really so it was good times it is pretty sunny the, 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 the pond or the lake at the top yes yeah that's, that's pretty cool eh? yeah up yeah. on top of the Harris Saddle yeah so it was good times um, and we're just, you're so fortunate with the weather because the day before we started was horrendous, and the weekend after they were supposed to have the running race through there, and the second year in a row it's been cancelled because it was serious, serious rain, snow, hail. You feel everything. sorry for the race route, don't you? You Two do. Years in a it's, row. Uh, it's a tricky time of the year down here. The weather changes. Like we, last night, we had horrendous uh, weather, and today, clear and sunny, snow on the mountains, beautiful day. So that was my goss. Also went to Milford Sound. I don't know if I've, I must have been there as a kid, but man, if you come to New Zealand, that is. Wait, did you do some walking there? Sorry? We did some walking there. We didn't do some walking. We just drove to Milford Sound. How does and that take? <laughs> it's a long way. Yeah, I was going to say. From Tiana, and it's a couple of hours each way. Uh, and there's a lot of tourists. A lot of tourists. Yeah. But my God, the drive-in was just amazing. Oh, really? Highly recommend if you come to New Zealand to get down there. But you do need to be ready for a lot of driving. So it was awesome. Bevan, what's happening with you? Well, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm in pop culture week. Yes. Because we had Endgame. Is Thomas into Marvel? Oh, he is desperate to go. He's pissed that he hasn't been yet. Oh, yeah, and it's hard because there's spoilers out yeah, there, Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's got one spoiler already. He's got first day back at school today, so he's, he's said, I've, it's, all, it's all over. Oh, it's all mm. over. It's, it's, it's very good. Mm. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I've watched probably, of all, I think they've had like 20 films and I've probably watched six of them. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe maybe seven, so I'm kind of you know kind of have a passing interest, but geez, they did a good job. It, good. Yeah, I cried. Oh my God, you know it's it's hard not to. <laughs> you know, pretty much the whole theater's crying, and I had these three Asian boys sitting next to me, and the and the and even those boys, I don't think they've cried in their whole life, <laughs> and they were crying. That was good. And I went to the, the in town now. They've got the, the layback seats, right? Paid the premium. No, that's yeah. a good thing in town. Everyone's got the layback seats. Mm. The premium. Why would you pay? It's like 35 bucks for the premium. Wow. But why would you, why would you, when you've already got layback seats anyway? Why would you? And then we had Game of Thrones last night. Mm-hmm. You don't watch Game of Thrones? No, do you? no, we've had this discussion. Yeah. It's a little bit disappointing last night's episode, actually, because I couldn't see it. Everyone's been saying it was really dark. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't really know what was happening in the battle. So it was a, it was a big battle. It was a big yeah. battle. And, and it was good. It was, it was, I did enjoy it, but it was, was babe, I can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that. And then. Um, what else did it cost, John? In running? How's your running going? Oh, just because I over the last couple of weeks, we just had um, like gym weeks. So I just ran a bit more. No, it's just like running. Yeah. <laughs> but I, did, I, did, I ran 50Ks. Nice. Last time I ran 50Ks in a week. Nice. You know, so I had one good run within that. I pushed yeah. the tempo a little bit in one run and the rest was just pretty cash. Uh, that's about it, John. This cool. weekend, what are you doing this weekend? This weekend... Uh I don't know. I'm going to Wellington. I'm going to Wellington to do a speech. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a speech at um, a funeral, mm-hmm. a funeral convention. 
Oh, subscribe. Yeah, no, 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 not at a funeral. <laughs> Although I have done a speech at a funeral. It's interesting yeah. doing a speech at a funeral. But um, I did a speech. I, I did, yeah, I'm doing a speech for the people who run funerals. Hmm. So it's the annual conference and I'm doing a speech. And I'm not the, the speaker. But they've done this thing which is really out of it. So I'm speaking twice. Mm-hmm. So they're going to do a half an hour, have dinner, and then come back and do another half an hour. Mm-hmm. Never done that before. I'm not quite sure if it'll work. Mm-hmm. So if I'm shit in the first half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> hey, where's your free guy? Because I'm definitely front loading. I'm definitely putting yeah. my cold stuff in first. Yeah. And then, uh, and then hopefully, no, I, I, I think I know what I'm going to do. But it's just normally you do a talk, you're done. Yeah. But to, to then come back on, okay, now I'm back. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. So fingers, fingers crossed. So bring on Wellington. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.